Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. An IPO we like is the topic of today's presentation, and it shouldn't be overly difficult to figure out which IPO we're talking about if you're somebody that is subscribed to our weekly newsletter where we publish a series of articles every week talking about companies, one of those being Arm stock. And we wrote about Arm before their IPO, and the company has a bit of an interesting past. So they were a private company before becoming public on the London Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, where they traded for 20 years before going private again in 2016, when Masa of SoftBank purchased the company for $32 billion dollars in a deal that he guaranteed some big investors they wouldn't lose money on because he had such confidence in this company. And you can see here this article, Arm climbs 25% in NASDAQ debut after pricing IPO at $51 a share. They claim it's a steep premium relative to the rest of the semiconductor market and that SoftBank still holds holds about 90% of their stock. So this is a good opportunity to go through some basics. And I wanted to start with fully diluted shares. And this is something that represents a number which is used to calculate market cap. So it includes all shares after all possible sources of conversion, such as convertible bonds or employee stock options. And it's critically important because you need this for calculating earnings per share. So this is the number that you always use to calculate market cap. So when we look at arm what we see here is we go into their uh, their filings they have a um, ipo filing that we went through that we produced our article on the company using that and here you can see they have basic shares outstanding and diluted usually these numbers don't differ very much but we're after diluted so that's at the top table and then this bottom table here was taken from yahoo finance and the reason i'm pointing this out is because with some ipos yahoo will get it dreadfully wrong so you'll want to check the math just to make sure everything's being calculated correctly so we can take the shares outstanding number there seen at yahoo finance which happens to match the diluted number above we multiply that by the current share price of arm stock which is $54.26 gives us 55.88 versus Yahoo Finance at 56.22. So that's close enough. We've calculated market cap using share price and the diluted shares. Now what we can do is calculate simple valuation ratio. So we start with a market cap of $56 billion. We take last quarter's revenues and annualize those. That means multiply them by four. Then we can calculate our simple valuation ratio, which is 20.74. So this is right on the border of our simple valuation ratio cutoff, which is 20. And that's a nice round number, but it also happens to be roughly triple our catalog average of 6.5. So I think we calculate this for around 190 stocks in our tech stock catalog. That average is 6.5. So this company is trading fairly rich. You can compare that to NVIDIA, which trades at 19.7. I looked at our tech stock catalog before this call. I think the only other company that we follow with such a high valuation would be Snowflake. Now, what NVIDIA and Arm stock have in common is that both companies are printing money. So you may know about NVIDIA's success in AI chips. Well, 
Arm is also having their own success story. And here you can see what's a rather remarkable table. This shows their revenues over the past three years and the cost of sales. Now, first of all, the fact that it's declining is a curiosity in itself. But look at these gross margins. Last year, their last fiscal year, so that's a bit confusing whenever they use fiscal years, but last year that they reported a full year of revenues, they had 96% gross margins. These people are printing money. How do they do it? Well, one thing is that they're a industry leader. So in terms of penetration, 70% of the world's population use ARM-based products. They've shipped 250 billion chips to date. 99% of smartphones run on ARM-based processors. And 50% of all CPU chips with processors are ARM-based. So this company has what could be best described as the holy grail. They're a fabulous semiconductor. That means they don't actually build chips. And they don't ship chips either. Their clients do. They develop chip designs, license them to partners, then collect downstream royalties in addition to licensing fees. That's how they can manage to achieve that incredibly high gross margin. Now, this diagram spells it out a little bit better. If you're somebody that prefers visuals, you can see ARM there on the left, and then they're licensing their technology to semi-partners who then produce and develop chips for OEM customers who sell consumer products. So this is a very innovative business model that yields high margins. You have that upfront licensing fee, flexible licensing models with ongoing royalties. And what's interesting here is that their technology, it's suitable for multiple applications and they can ship for decades. So the return that they get on that contract can last for many years. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second and um, switch gears to talk about our initiative to ask people for likes. So we've been doing that. And for the last video, we didn't. And we'll see the results here. So when we started asking people for likes, they everybody jumped in and liked the video. We asked them again, and then they kind of grow grew tired of it. Then we had a very popular video where people where we didn't ask people and the result was about average six to eight percent. So we're going to stop asking you to like videos because it doesn't seem to have an overly good payoff, but please like this video and help spread it. So let's get back to talking about ARM, market share for each segment. I found this to be remarkable. Uh, this was taken off of their IPO filing, so you can see their market share for the IoT and embedded chip market grew from 58% in 2020 to nearly 65% in 2022. And you can read down the list here. What they're describing is their market share for key segments in that they're showing you that in each case they're growing over time and they would expect that to continue. The chips that they produce are found in nearly everything and commanding a 50% or nearly 50% market share for CPUs globally. This shouldn't be a surprise. If you want to read the value proposition for this company, we did a piece back in June of 2017. I quite liked this. It's free to read. Go to our website and search for Singularity or I'll put a link in the description of this video and it talks about Masa giving a presentation and explaining why he believes that he can control the future of AI by owning ARM when he purchased it. It's very good. And as he quipped during that presentation, in the next 30 years, the two chips in each of your shoes will be more than twice as smart as you are and you will step on them every day. So when we look further at where ARM makes their money in their, uh, their filing, we see here this table that shows a breakdown 
uh, based on license and other revenue versus royalty revenues, and then across external customers versus related parties, being SoftBank, since they control 90% of the company. What we'd like to see, and this could be interesting to look at over time, but what we'd like to see is revenue segmentation by key revenue segments, the ones that we described earlier. In other words, how are they affected by consumer spending slowdowns for smartphones? What percentage of that consumer segment they describe is smartphones? What's their exposure to automotive? There's a lot of questions around exposures that they have. And perhaps um, it, they're so well diversified that knowing the answers to these questions may not make a whole lot of difference, but they've certainly been around for a while and they're a clear leader. And when you're a leader in everything, that's what you should worry the most about the fact that other people are looking to steal some of that leadership from you. So we quite liked Armstock when we looked at it, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So this is the last piece that we did on Arm, a look under the hood before their IPO. We set some rules. We said the next step is to hurry up and wait for the IPO debut. Once the dust has settled, we'll see how the valuation looks, so it's rather rich, and what additional insights the company offers in investor decks. And we cited the 90-day rule, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that, rule being that we don't invest in IPOs until there's a cooling-off period, and we had said, well, that ought to be 90 days. Well, I looked into this a bit more, and I noted that uh, MSCI, uh, the world's leading provider of international indices, I worked for them for a decade, uh, we had this rule here that said a company must trade for three months before being uh, considered for index inclusion. And it says here, this requirement is applicable to small new issues in all markets. So I forgot about this. We had a rule that said for large IPOs that we would, um, we would not subject them to that and potentially add them sooner. And I can recall, at least based on um, the note that I wrote before, they used to have a rule that said, well, it has to have traded for at least 10 days. So when I look at our own rules, we have a, uh, a tech investing methodology. Uh, it's on our website under the About Us section. Uh, it says here, we've established a waiting period of 90 days for newly listed stocks. So I remember adding that. And then below that, it says... Uh, that's why we won't, it says, but 10 days is too short a time frame. That's why we won't be buying shares in any IPOs unless they've been trading for at least a month. So we've contradicted ourselves there. The right amount of time is probably between 10 days and 90 days. So here's a proposed rule change. We're going to consider investing in any IPO only after a 10Q or 10K has been filed by the company. This allows us to see how much money they raise, where it sits on the balance sheet, and it uh, works quite well when you consider that um, prior to making an investment, um, you want some time for the dust to settle from the initial hype. So um, I don't know when ARM is planning to uh, file a 10Q or a 10K, but when that happens, then um, we'll consider this as a potential stock to hold, though we are quite overweight semiconductors already. Um, so we're going to wait until ARM has a filing and an earnings call. Uh, investor relations materials are very sparse. I found the website rather uh, bulky and difficult to navigate, frankly. We'd like to hear something from the company or see something uh, relating to their visions going forward, uh, aside from just the filing. So uh, that remains to be seen. But when we check back in, we'll see if there's something there. It really sucks that NVIDIA failed to acquire ARM. We were quite excited about that because it seemed like a 
a good match, but that fell through. Uh, questions that we need to consider here, I think, what are the implications of SoftBank's 90% ownership? Uh, it, could that be a good thing at all, or is there only downside to that? I haven't thought that through. Um, what are the key drivers of ARM's revenues? Uh, as we questioned earlier, there's no segmentation, so we can't really tell how they're um, the key components of their business are being affected, like consumer products, smartphones, automotive. But our value is always in our community, the uh, global community that we've been building over the past year. So um, I'll pose the question to everybody else. What do you think? Uh, let's start with SoftBank's 90% ownership. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So please uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Um, I'm going to put up another video here that you might like to watch. Before you watch that, please click the Analyze logo on the right. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.